pastor at Living Hope Christian Reformed Church, and now it is with great excitement that I enter into the possibility of this. This has been my, my long-term plan was to be a lead pastor of a church, and I was praying the other day, and I was just struck that it's like, I'm so humbled and so grateful that God has brought me to this place where I can even be in this position. It really is a testimony to what God can do in someone's life. Uh, I don't take credit for this. This is what God has been doing. It's, uh, it's amazing to be able to partner with him in all this. So uh, my wife, Chantelle, is here. And this Thursday, this Thursday, we'll be celebrating 15 years married. So that's pretty cool. We were going to get married in 2007, and we're like, well, why not go 777 at 7? And so that's what we did, and, and I never forget. So that was uh, that the added bonus there. We have three children. We have the oldest, Ellie, who's 11. We have Caleb, who's 10, and Hudson, who's 8. Yeah, way to point to yourself, Hudson. Um, yeah, and I'll, as, as Paul mentioned, I'll be around after the service, any hard-hitting questions, softball questions, feel free to ask. I'd love to, love to meet all of you. So let's, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Father God, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for this day. God, what a, what a beautiful day this is. God, we want to thank you for the country that we get to live in for Canada and how we're celebrating Canada this weekend. God, we, we want to pray a blessing over, over this message as well, God, and may my previous thoughts and meditations and what you've laid on my heart, Lord, may, may it be true to your word. God, may everything received today be of you. May nothing of me be received at all, Lord, but may your, your truth resonate within people. Uh, including myself, Lord. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So several years ago, this has got to be mid-80s or something like that, my Uncle Barry bought uh, a new dirt bike. He bought a YZ125. And he didn't really consult anyone about, didn't read his owner's manual. He missed out on a lot of different things, right? And so he just went to the gas station, got some pump gas, and put it in. Now, this, the problem is that that's a two-stroke, and it needs to have premixed gas. Otherwise, what happened will happen. And so he rode it for a little while, and then all of a sudden, it seized up. The engine broke because it needs to have the oil in it. It was a very costly mistake from buying a brand new dirt bike to only being able to ride it for about a half hour. And it's one that we can even learn from today. And what is the point? The point is that what you fill yourself with matters. It matters where you are being, where you're getting your sustenance from. What are you filling yourself with? That's really what we're going to be looking at today. And so we're going to start in Jeremiah 2. And in Jeremiah 2.13, it says this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, 
the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold any water. Some translations say cracked cisterns. I like the term cracked cisterns. So the, what the Israelites had done, what God's people had done, was they had done two evil things. Both of them are really bad. One of them is that they have turned away from the source of living water, the best thing to fill yourself with. Instead, they've gone to an alternative, maybe something that seemed a little bit easier. It's easier just to use pump gas than it is to do premix, right? But it's not going to go well in the long run. They've done two evil uh, things in this. And so we're going to start off by talking a little bit about cracked cisterns. And what is a cracked cistern? So I kind of look at this in, in two ways. One of them is the external sources and the other one is the concept of if only. So what, what do I mean by external sources? What I mean by this is when we're trying to find something external from ourselves to bring us joy, to bring us peace, to bring us satisfaction, when we're looking for something outside of us to, to fill that hole, that satisfaction hole that we all seem to have in our lives. Sometimes that's looking for a partner. And you, you try to find everything, your own happiness, your own satisfaction within that person. You try to, you hope that they're going to be the one that makes you happy. It's, it's hoping for this, something external to, to make you happy. Another thing is distractions. A lot of people have this dissatisfaction. And a cracked cistern is trying to find that satisfaction in a distraction. And, and this, this has many forms. This can be movies. For a lot of people, it's their cell phone and all the things that go on on a cell phone. But it's a distraction. It's never going to really satisfy you. And it's turning away from the source of living water. Uh, another thing that people do is uh, escapes. And escapes can be um, drugs or alcohol or copious other things like that, but it's trying to escape reality in one way or another. And another one, and this is an interesting one, because they're not all bad, right? We don't always try to look through it through bad sources. Sometimes it's through things like success. Maybe you think that if you can climb the corporate ladder, or if you can win the big game, or if you, whatever it happens to be, and these things actually do bring some sort of a positive fulfillment to you, but it's not a fulfillment that ever lasts. Let's say you win the big game. You're happy, right? That's a really good thing. You won the big game. How long does that happiness last? A day, a week, a month, a year maybe? But it never truly lasts. Now, the way that we connect to the living water has been spelled out to us in John 15. Now, it is a harder way. It, is, uh, it takes a lot longer to connect to Jesus through the vine than it does to just roll into a puddle. Right? I think that's kind of the options that are, that are offered to us. It's like we can connect to Jesus 
Like, it talks about a grapevine. So if we think about a grape, how does that grape grow? The grape grows by being connected to the source. Now, I don't, grapes don't think, but maybe this grape thinks like, well, this is taking a long time. Look at that. Look at that puddle over there. What if I were to just roll into that puddle? I'd surely be able to grow there. This is a short-term plan. It doesn't die immediately, but the puddle never lasts, and the grape isn't really being fed. This is a lot of times the human condition. So we have a lot to learn in John 15. John 15 is really one of those texts, isn't it? It's one of those texts that we can just come back to again and again and again. Now, what's, what's beautiful is that my wife Chantelle and I are going through the New Testament, and we're doing a chapter a day, and then we talk about it. And yesterday, of all days, happened to be John 15, which was really cool. And I actually read something in John 15 that I hadn't read before. Well, sorry, I hadn't noticed before. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So here we have this idea of fruit wanting to grow, but it literally cannot grow unless it's connected to the source. The fruit in our lives literally will not grow unless we are connecting to the source. I'm the vine, and you are the branches. So there's fruit that grows in our lives. We're actually, it's better than we thought. We're not just the grape. We're the whole branch. And fruit grows when we, the branch, are connected. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I don't know about you, that line kind of struck me odd, and I looked it up. And so what it says is, you can do nothing of any eternal value. We can do nothing of any eternal value apart from Christ. Amen? He is like a branch who is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Again, that's just one of those remarkable verses, isn't it? If, think about that for a minute. As the Father has loved his perfect Son, who did no wrong and who spent his entire life blessing people and doing his Father's will. That level of love is the love that Christ has for you. Now remain in my love. 
If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Again, what, a, what an encouraging line that is. We didn't choose him. He chose us. Fruit that will last. And the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. So we talked a little bit about what we saw in verse 4. That the branches that do not remain in him are seared off and we cannot bear any fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Now, what this is all about is remaining in him. Some people call this abiding. It's abiding in Christ, remaining in him. And this looks like a couple different things. One of the things that he says is if you If you remain in me and my words remain in you. This is one of the ways that we remain in him is through his words. This looks like a couple different things. One of the things it can look like is having a verse that you're trying to memorize. And, and you just remind yourself of the truths of God every once in a while. Another thing that it looks like is literally reading the word of God. We just sang about ancient words. Reading the word of God is one of the ways that we abide. It's one of the ways that we remain in him. It's one of the most powerful ways that God speaks to us, but it's one of the most powerful ways that we can use to connect to him. Uh, Another thing that it says is through commands. And this really surprised me when I read it. It's like if we are obeying his commands... Another way to say that is obedience. That is a form of abiding. Have you guys ever thought of that before? That literally obeying Christ is a form of abiding in him. That really changes the way that we look at things a little, doesn't it? Sometimes just choosing to do the right thing, even though it's hard or even though it's not convenient, that can bring us closer to God. And the third thing that I want to bring out today is that we remain in his love. Just remaining in his love, reminding yourself that you are loved. Reminding yourself of the price that he paid for you and how valuable he thinks that you are. Reminding yourself of that. Some people have this type of prayer they call it soaking prayer. It's just... You lay down, maybe you listen to music, maybe you sit down, maybe you go for a walk, but you turn your affection toward him, and it's just reflecting. It's just reflecting, 
praise and adoration toward him. It's giving him credit because if we look back at Jeremiah 2 in, in verses 7 and 8, we see that the Israelites, one of the ways that they went wrong in this is that they didn't give credit to God. So it says, I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and produce and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. Did the priest not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. What he's saying here is, you're not giving credit where credit is due. One of the ways that we don't forsake the source of living water that is giving credit to him. It's giving credit for the amazing things that he has done in our lives. We connect to him in that way. And then one more thing out of Jeremiah 2 I wanted to bring up was in verse 18, we see the benefit. Now God is asking here, where is the benefit of what you got from uh, Israel, Egypt, sorry. Now, why go to Egypt and drink the water from uh, Shihor? And why go to Assyria to drink the water from the Burnt River? In the NLT, it said, what benefit did you reap from Egypt? What benefit is there in searching out these external things, these cracked cisterns? Now, we have two choices. We don't always look at it like this. We don't think of ourselves in this way because it, it makes us sound kind of evil or irresponsible or something like that. We, we don't think of it like, I'm going to forsake God and I'm going to try to find my fulfillment on, on my phone, or I'm going to try to find my fulfillment in my friends or in my job. We don't necessarily phrase it that way or think about it that way. We just think, oh, look, there's a puddle. That will, that will bring me some sort of nourishment in the short term. I don't think it's uh, an evil thought. I just think it's part of human nature. It looks easier a lot of times we choose what is easy over what is going to bring us benefit in the long run. And so what is the benefit in the long run? With all this, Jesus says in verse 11, he says that, of John 15, that your joy will overflow. Your joy overflows when you connect to him and you allow him and his words and his commands to remain in you, your joy overflows. I can look back at my own life and see this. I've had times of my life that were very difficult. In, in many, several seasons of my life have been extremely difficult. And when I'm connecting to him, when I'm spending that time in prayer, when I'm spending that time stirring up my affection toward him, reading his word. They've been some of the happiest and most joy-filled times of my life, even though they really shouldn't have been. Even though they should have been terrible and, and difficult. They were enjoyable because I spent that time with him. I've had times of my life where everything was easy. Everything was going well. And, and I'm grumpy. I'm not going to say that I'm full-on miserable, but I'm grumpy. 
my wife will lovingly remind me sometimes, like, you're not spending enough time with God, are you? <laughs> because there are seasons where I'm just grumpy. And it's directly connected to the amount of time that I spend with God. So, again, we, we have these options. We can choose what is easy, or we can choose what is going to be beneficial long-term. Again, it takes more time. It's not a quick fix. I've found in Christ, usually, there aren't any quick fixes. It's just time spent with the Father. And time spent with the Father is absolutely irreplaceable. It is the true source of nourishment in our lives. So I, I want to leave you with some sort of a challenge. I'm going to mention a couple. Don't do all of them. Just pick one, whichever one resonates with you. And that is, have a verse. Have a verse or series of verses that you want to memorize. And, and just as you're going about your day, allow his words to remain in you. Remind yourself of the truths of God, the truth God says about you. It's to, another challenge is to stir up your affection toward him. Maybe, maybe this is in prayer. Maybe this is going through a nature walk. I experience the creator a lot in his creation. I love seeing the trees. I love seeing the colors. I love creeks and rivers and all that stuff. I just give glory to God because he is the original artist and still the best. Stir up your affection toward him. Thankfulness. Seeing the benefit. My Bible's falling apart a little bit. Seeing the benefit of what he has done. And, and thanking him for it. Reminding yourself that in Christ, you are enough. That your value is found in him, and in him you are enough. Prayer. Just spending that time in prayer. Again, in my life, this has been a marker for joy. Jesus actually promises, so put him to task on this, would you? If you spend that time with him, your joy will overflow. Put him to task on it. Try it out. And obedience. Obeying Christ can be a, another way of connecting to him. So we, we have all of these ways of connecting to him, letting his words remain in us, his commands remain in us, and his love remain in us. We have these two options, right, to, to start it all off. We can choose to fill ourselves by remaining in him, the source of living water, or we can dig for ourselves crack cisterns, things that were never meant to fill us. What will we choose? And it's not just a one-time choice. This is a choice that we make dozens, if not hundreds of times, every single day. It's a, it's a perspective. 
What are we going to choose to fill ourselves with today? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the true vine. That we can connect to you, Lord. And that your words and that your love remain in us. Thank you that you have not abandoned us as orphans, but that you have come to us. Father God, we pray that you fill us anew. Today, this week, thank you for the way that you've been faithful in the past. God, you are a faithful Lord. God, we pray all this in your name. Amen.